Good morning and welcome to Warehouse Church. It is so good to have you guys here with us. Are you excited to be here? <laughs> so, yeah, so since today's my last day, I get to say whatever I want, right? <laughs> It'll take me about three seconds to start crying. Um, anyway, I'm going to do my best today. Mm, mm-mm. It is so good to see you guys. And this is a packed house. Uh, I'm just so thankful for what God is doing in this church and in my life, in my wife's life, our family's life. And uh, God's just got great plans. If you guys start crying already, like it's going to be bad. So just stop, okay? I can't, okay? I need my mom to go to the back row. All right. All the time. So, uh, if you're new here today, I'm sorry about this. This is not cool for you. I am sorry. Not cool at all. Um, so, I wanted to share a few things from my heart before I really preach a little bit. I hope that's okay with you guys. Um, in 2013, a bunch of us came together and... Um, we felt that God was calling us to do something different in Eastern Kentucky, and we didn't really know what that was. Uh, we didn't know what it looked like, uh, but we just knew that we had just heard this statistic that 90% of the people in Floyd County don't attend church, and man, that hit us hard. It hit us really hard, and um, it hit deep, and it, and it still does today because that statistic is still true today. 90% of the people in Floyd County don't attend church. Um, it still burdens us today. We were looking to create an environment where folks from the 90% would feel welcome, right? That's what we wanted. We wanted a place where people, it didn't matter what they wore to church. It didn't matter the color of their skin. It didn't matter their finances. It didn't matter if they came in with alcohol on their breath. It didn't matter uh, where they lived or who they lived with or anything else going on in their life. We set out to be a church for the unchurched, the dechurched, the out of church, the overchurched, the hurting, the hopeless, and the outcasts. Anyone that needed Jesus without all the judgment and unbiblical expectations that were placed on them. That's what we wanted to do. Um, in November of 2013, I was ordained in this church and called to be the campus pastor. I had been in ministry for over a decade at that time, but I'd never been ordained. It was always something that I wanted to do, but it just didn't happen. It just... It, the, it just didn't happen. I didn't have a seminary degree. Um, I wasn't the best communicator from the stage. But this church saw something in me. <clears throat> and decided to affirm God's calling on my life. I remember we were at the convention center at the time. And I remember uh, sitting in the front row with my fiance at the time. And you guys laid hands on me and you commissioned me to do ministry. That's one of the highlights of my life. One of the highlights of my entire life. Um, at that time, the church was new. I was serving as campus pastor, the worship pastor, student pastor, um, administrator. The, you name it, I served it at that time. 
It's funny now. It wasn't then. Um, <laughs> the next year, 2014, was huge for our church. Um, we launched our church publicly uh, in 2014. In February 2014, uh, we launched at the Jenny Wiley Convention Center. And Man, we had an amazing time. If you guys were there at that time, uh, you know what a great time it was. Because it was in that season that God was showing us that we are the church. The church is not a building. We are the church. And that was special. It was a very special time. Uh, we would arrive at the church at 6.30 in the morning, okay? Six, James has the worship team here at 6.45, I think, now. But anyway, back then, uh, those of you, you know. If you know, you know. Um, but so back then we would arrive at 6.30 in the morning because we had to set everything up and tear it all back down after service. But man, we loved it. Every week we came out, we just served with a, with a happy heart. As I said, 2014 was huge. In March of 2014, I married my best friend. <laughs> Many of you were sitting in that church as we were declaring our love for each other. And you guys encouraged us when a lot of people didn't. And I'm forever grateful for that. I was a campus pastor. I was a newlywed. And I, I thought I had it all, right? The crazy thing is, that was also a very dark time in my spiritual life. And I've shared this story with some of you guys before. But there was something going on inside of me in that moment. that um, Something much darker, much more hopeless. But I started to believe that I wasn't good enough. And I know we can, you can Jesus-juke me all you want to. You, you're, you're right. I'm not good enough without Christ. I get that. But in my heart, I just kept, I just felt like I wasn't good enough. And I started allowing Satan to tell me that because of my lack of education that I couldn't preach. And how could I be a campus pastor if I didn't have a seminary degree? And I was believing all of this at the time. How could I preach each week when I wasn't good enough or smart enough? And so I started having doubts about my calling. Maybe I wasn't called to be a preacher. Maybe I was just called to support in other ways in the church. But that fear began to cripple me in that part of my life. Um, spiritually, it began to cripple me. And I didn't share with a lot of people at the time. I just allowed it to grow and to fester. And that led me to step down as campus pastor. I think that was probably in 2015. Um, and then we brought Pastor Barry Arias on uh, as our lead pastor. And in that moment, I started focusing on student ministry. And I had a great time in student ministry. Um, Taylor and I both, like, we were newlyweds. And we just went all in. And I still think about Mackenzie Akers and, and Chase uh, Oosley and how competitive they were. They, they almost killed my wife one night in dodgeball. Um, it was bad, you know. Uh, but I, I just remember those times were such, a, such an important part of my life. And um, Mackenzie... Uh, as I said, and Chase, and I think about Kelsey and Carly and Audrey and Tess and all the others that were there during that time. And just, um, man, we just grew so close um, in that moment. But um, it was during that time that Caleb and Michael and Angelia started coming to Ridgepoint Church at the time. And um, I, and I only remember that because I don't remember them being in student ministry. I just remember them showing up at student ministry and kind of dominating the games and stuff, you know. 
Um, James, I remember James coming at some point during that time as well. And so, you guys, this is important to me because these people are my best friends now. And it was during that time that God was molding and connecting and bringing together. and <clears throat> So good. Over the next couple of years, I served in various positions. I uh, served in missions here at the church and um, executive pastor, next-gen pastor. And people are like, what in the world? Like, was it true that you were just terrible at all those roles and they didn't know where to put you? Is that it? <laughs> Probably so. Um, fast forward to late summer 2016. I remember standing on the stage at the end of service when... Not this stage. We were at the convention center. But actually, it was this stage, sort of. Anyway, um, when we announced that Taylor was pregnant with Lincoln. Huge day. The crowd applauded, and it was just such a, an, a special moment. And then, again, in January 27th of 2017, Lincoln was born. And some of you guys came and visited him at the hospital. And many of you visited him once we got home. I don't think I cooked a meal for a month after that. Like, you guys were just so special to us during that time. Um, I remember bringing Lincoln to the church for the very first time. We were here at this location at the time, and um, Brian Akers, I'm pretty sure, still has a photo of us coming because we arrived late. We were new parents, and so we didn't want anyone to touch our baby. You know how that goes? Like, Y'all laughing, but there's some new parents in here. Like, I preach on, brother. Um, so I just remember coming in late and Brian taking a picture of us. I think he probably still has that. But Lincoln was all bound up on Taylor. No one could touch him and all that. But you all made that time very special for us. You'll always be a part of that. December of 2017, um, Taylor and I had an encounter here at the church. Um, and I wasn't prepared for. And this encounter changed my life and it changed my wife's life forever. Um, it wasn't during a service. It wasn't during a big moment in the life of the church. We were actually, many of you have heard me tell this story before, but I received a call from a guy up in Michigan. And this, this guy I'd never heard before. Didn't know him. Um, and he called. And at that time, I was, we were doing missions down in Honduras. And I brought back uh, with us at some point a big crate, huge crate of like, I don't know, 150 boxes of, of coffee. And we were trying to get rid of them. Uh, they were from Honduras. The coffee was. We were trying to get rid of it. Anyway, long story short, I couldn't get rid of it in eastern Kentucky. This guy called me. He was like, hey, I heard you had this shipment of coffee. I'm like, I don't know where you heard that from. But um, he's like, I'm going to come down there and get it. And I said, okay, come on down. So he came down. He brought a couple of friends with him. And uh, we met at Billy Ray's. It was a cold Saturday morning. But we became really good friends. This guy's name was Joe. And he had a friend by the name of Daniel. Daniel was here with him as well. Before we knew it, we had left Billy Race together, and we were back here at the church. And I, Taylor and I were sitting in chairs in my current office out front. And we were sitting in chairs, and Daniel and Joe, sorry, Daniel was sitting in front of us kneeling, praying for us. And Joe and his other friend were over our backs praying for us. And in this moment, it was um, what they were basically doing is they were helping us to realize the fears that... Taylor and I had. And if you knew anything about, we still are fear, fearful of some things, but if you knew anything about us at that time, there were a lot more. I just told you my story. I was fearful. I didn't think that I was good enough. I didn't think that, that I was equipped enough, um, smart enough, didn't have a seminary degree, couldn't be a pastor because that's what it took. I allowed all those fears and things to, um, to overtake me. My wife had other fears 
that she can share with you sometime if she, if, if, um, uh, she wants to. But so she had some fears. I had some fears. We're sitting there in this moment in the front of this church. And these guys are praying over us. And in that moment, we're confessing all of our fears. Because fear leads to sin, right? In some instances, fear can lead to sin. And so we were confessing our fears while we were confessing our sins. And so in this moment, I just literally felt as this was happening, this ordained moment in our lives, that all of our fears started dissipating. Like all of the things that we were scared about, all the things that we were fearful for, all the things that we had against us, if you will, they just started, I mean, it's like a weight lifted off of our shoulders. We sat there and cried, imagine that, for a really long time. After that, it just felt like our lives were different. I mean... It just felt like everything had changed. Um, shortly after that, um, my wife started a blog. She started writing about her life and her experiences and our child and, and different things like that. And that blog has helped um, an, a tremendous amount of people over the years. And what it led me to, I believe this with all my heart, is that on February the 10th of 2019, I accepted God's call to full-time pastoral ministry as you affirmed me as your pastor. I don't believe if I hadn't gone through that moment in the front of this church where God released me from those sins and those fears, I don't believe I would have ever been in this position at this time. That was a special time in our lives. Five months later, literally five months into my full-time pastoral ministry at this church, Elena was born. And we spent 31 days in Arizona. And what did you guys do? You were there for us every step of the way. You guys supported us all the way in Arizona. You sent us money. You called us every day. When we came home, we didn't, we didn't cook a meal for another month. I mean, it was amazing. Guys, I could go on and on about how special that you are to my family and I and how much we love you. All the things that we've shared together in the past eight years. Some of you, we go back even further. You guys are and always will be our family. I told Brian Griffith the other day that I know that we made the right decision. I have peace. My wife has peace. That we are where God wants us to be right now. We've spent the past two weeks uh, as a family in Louisville. Moved into our apartment down there. Everything's going really well. It's exciting. Um, I know we made the right decision that God called us to make, but we're going to be leaving a piece of our hearts here at Warehouse Church. <laughs> Cousin Matt, thank you. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 19, verse 21, that many are the plans in a person's heart, but it's the Lord purposes that prevails. I didn't think we would be here. Eight years ago, I never imagined we would be sitting in this place talking about this as we prepare to move on to something different. At last, this is God's plan. And let me say this before I move on into this next section. I promise I'll go quick. Today, you guys are going to be doing something awesome. Those of you that are partners of this church, you're going to be voting on whether or not to call Rick Connor as your next pastor. Rick is a good guy. 
He's a very, very strong man of faith. He's compassionate. He's intentional. He has passion for people and wants to share the gospel with as many people as he can. I have all the faith in the world in this guy. He and I, I shared this last week. He and I met a few years back at a conference. He made a huge impact on me. And so I'm, this is my encouragement to you guys today. He, he needs to be the next guy that you guys call to be your pastor. I probably wasn't supposed to say that, but that's my heart. And that's how I feel. Fast forward to the fall of 2020. We began something that was awesome in this church. We didn't know what we were doing when we were getting into this. We had no idea what was going to happen through these series of meetings. What we did know is that we were, we were asking God, are we doing what you've called us to do? Like you called this church. Like many of us could have just kept going to other churches. Many of us could have just kept going to other churches throughout this region and we would have been fine. But God didn't allow us to do that. He called us to a church to plant a church for a specific unique purpose. And so in the fall of 2020, many of us came together, our leadership came together and started asking God, what are you calling us to do now? Like, we're going through this pandemic. We know there's going to be an end to this. Like, are we where we're supposed to be in order to be prepared for what you're going to do when the masks are off and when people finally get to come back into the church together? Are we where we're supposed to be? And so that's what we were asking ourselves way back in the fall of 2020. It's during that time that God gave us clarity of purpose for this church. And I've preached this twice this year already, but I felt like today I had to tell you this again. I want you to know, I want you to always remember from me while we're here. I want you to always remember your purpose in this body of believers. God gave us a specific and unique mission for this church. And here it is. Lori said it at the beginning of the service. We exist so that more people experience transforming relationships through Jesus Christ. That is our purpose. It doesn't matter who is the pastor. It doesn't matter what's going on in this community. God called us to help more people experience transforming relationships through Jesus Christ. That's our purpose in this church. And let me break that down for you really quick. The first thing is this. More people... That's the gospel of Jesus Christ, right? More people go into all nations, baptizing everyone, teaching the gospel, discipling everyone. Like, go into all nations, Jesus said. More people represents going to all nations. That's the gospel. And that's what we're all called to do. Doesn't matter what church we're affiliated with. But here at Warehouse Church, that's what we're called to do. God loves us so much that he doesn't want to leave us where we are. He wants us to be transformed to look more like him. Thank God, because, yeah. Then there's the next part of that is the relationships part. We believe that the key to lasting transformation is found in relationships. Hear me. If you're new here, this is a good day for you to be here. First and foremost, it's found in our relationship with God. Like, foundation for it all. It's found in our relationship with with God. He is the one that has the power to transform us. You and I will never be truly transformed aside from the power that God offers. Okay? He's the one that has the power to transform us. We call this our vertical relationship. But we believe that there are horizontal relationships that help us maintain that transformation. Can y'all hear me this morning? 
We believe that, that our horizontal relationships help us maintain that transformation. When we're surrounded by other broken people that are being transformed by God, then we can encourage each other. We can spur each other to good works. And we need God and we also need each other. Why? Because we're better when we're together. All of us. And so we exist so that more, more people experience transforming relationships through Jesus Christ. That's what God has called this church to do, regardless of who is standing on this stage. Well, how do we do that? How do we, how do we help more people experience transforming relationships? We do that through living out our core values. Hear me when I say this. When we're at Walmart, when we're grabbing a bite to eat at Made to Crave, when we're sitting at our dining room table with our family, these are the values that we should be living out. If you call this place home, if you call Warehouse Church home, these are the five core values that we should be living out together. Number one is that we live real. Big deal, guys. Big deal from me. I say this with every... Um, with all the sincerity inside of me. We are honest about who we are so that God can transform us. Honest about who we are so that God can transform us. That means that we don't pretend to be someone that we're not. We don't pretend to be someone that we're not. We're broken, all of us. None of us have it together. None of us have the answer to it all. Like, if you just do this, you're going to be whole again. Like, none of us are there yet. When we take three steps forward, we take two steps back, don't we? But we are honest about that. We're honest about that part of our lives so that, there's that little phrase in the middle, we're honest about who we are so that God can transform us. Listen, the worst thing that you and I could do is walk out of this church and walk into this community and act like we have it all together. That's the worst thing we can do. Why? Because the people that are a part of the 90% of this community that don't attend church will feel like they have nothing they can never attain what we have because we're perfect. This church is not perfect. We, as a people, are not perfect. And so we live real at this church. We're honest about who we are so that God can transform us. Second thing is that we love differently. Big, big deal. We love differently. We're a community of people who love all through our words, our actions, and our attitudes. We don't throw judgment in this church. You come down to this altar and you pray at the end of the service because that's what normally happens at the end of the service. The altar's open. We call this our altar area. If you come down here, no one's in the back whispering to each other, I wonder what she did. I wonder what he did last night. No, we don't judge you. And if you do, this is not the church for you. If you're throwing shade on someone at the altar, it's not the place for you. That was pretty harsh, wasn't it? Good thing today's my last day. <laughs> we love all. Guys, that's the key. That's the key to it all. You know what? God loves you through it all. And therefore, we should love others through it all. We love differently at this church. Number three is that we think legacy. One of my favorite parts about this church is the kids' ministry and the student ministry. I hope that's yours too, one of your favorites. We think legacy. That means that we live, we live our faith out loud to make an impact on generations to come. Like, 
Adults, I wanted to do Baby D today so bad. Unfortunately, we couldn't make it happen today. But I wanted to do baby dedication, parent dedication today so bad because I wanted to challenge you. Every single person in this room has a has a, uh, an impact or a um, responsibility it, regardless of whether or not you're in a room with a kid or a student. You have a responsibility. If you're a part of this church, you have a responsibility to live your faith out loud to make an impact on generations to come. All of us. Just because you don't have kids. I love these kids down here, by the way. Stephen's family. It is so amazing to see you guys in this church. Yeah, and so, and lyrics down here. Look, at, we just have, we have a ball at this church. Um, so, we think legacy. We live our faith out loud to make an impact on generations to come. All of us are responsible for that. All of us. We celebrate stories at this church. We celebrate God's big story and every other story he's writing. I tell you what, in the past three years of ministry in this church, I don't think I've had as many people that are talking about a series like they have been this past series, where this is my story. Y'all remember the past five weeks, we had people up here sharing their stories. I don't think in the past three years of ministry that more people have talked about the impact of these stories. And so I'm encouraging you, continue to share your story. That's your testimony to an unbelieving world that God exists. Tell your story. And then we grow. We take responsibility for our faith. You and I, we all take responsibility for our faith, right? Yes, you're going to get, I hope, I hope, whenever someone preaches from the front, that you guys are, are, are going to uh, grow some. But it's not about that. When you go home, you actually get your Bible out and you open it up, right? You open your Bible up at home and you read. You take responsibility for your own personal growth. Please do this, church. This is my plea to you today. These are our five core values. In order for us to help more people experience transforming relationships through Jesus Christ, it's imperative that you live out these five core values in your daily life. I want, this is my hope for the future for this church, one of them at least. I hope when you guys, if you call this church your home, I hope that when you're out in this community, and people see you, and they see how you treat others, and they see how you treat them. They see how you go out of your way to be nice and to love someone differently. I hope that they say, well, that person must attend Warehouse Church. Amen. That's what I hope. If you don't remember anything else, I was just trying to think of some way to throw Chuck under the bus before I left. Like, it's just been one of those things. Chuck's one of my best friends, and every time I have a, something I, uh, from the front, I always want to throw him under the bus, but I'm not able to do that today. But I love you, brother. I've been <laughs> if you don't remember everything else, anything else that I said, I want you to remember this. God loves you in spite of you. God loves you in spite of you. You are going to make mistakes. The thing that, that I believe for far too long in my life is that if I made a mistake, that God was mad at me. Like somehow I had the ability to make God mad at me if I made a mistake. Like God wasn't already prepared for the mistake that I was going to make. 
I don't want you to believe that. Here's what I want you to know. God loves you in spite of you. You're never too far gone for his love to reach you. Never. And with that, I'll share this as the worship team comes. In the beginning of this whole thing that we call the universe, God spoke the entire universe into existence, right? The spoken word, he spoke the entire universe into existence. And he created this amazing place that was called the Garden of Eden. And he planted two people, Adam and Eve, in this garden. And he said, you can have everything in this entire garden. Everything that you see is yours. The only thing I need from you is that this one tree over here, this big shiny red button, don't press that button, right? God said, that tree, don't eat of that fruit, because when you eat of that fruit, you will surely die. And so God created this, this earth to be perfect. He put that tree over there, the knowledge of good and evil. And he said, don't eat of the fruit of that tree. Well, guess what they did? They ruined it for all of us. They ate of the fruit, right? And so sin came into the world, and sin separated us. Before this, Adam, the first man, literally walked through the garden in the middle of the day, in the cool of the day, the Bible says, with God. But after that, sin separated us from God because God is perfect. He can have nothing to do with sin. So guess what? From that point forward, every one of us, we are born into sin. Every single one of us, born into sin. Separated from the love of God. Separated, not the love of God. Separated from God in general because of sin. But here's the thing. Like that was all the way back in the beginning. But at some point, and this was, this was his design all the way from the beginning. When he spoke the universe into existence, this was God's plan. But at some point he said to Jesus, you go. Jesus Christ, his only son, you go. I need you to be the perfect sacrifice. I need you to be the one that reconciles me back to them because I love them that much. So guess what? You are them, right? You are them. God loved you so much that he came up with this plan. Hey, I don't want to be disconnected from my people anymore. I created them when they were in their mother's womb. I love them. I want to be reconciled to them. Therefore, I'm going to send the only one worthy enough to take all the sin of the entire human race for all time. I'll send him, and that's Jesus Christ. The Bible says in John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he sent his only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. He loved you that much that he sent Jesus Christ, his only son, to die in your place, to take on your sins on his back on the cross. When he died on the cross, he took the penalty for your sins and my sins. Thank God he didn't stay on the cross. Guess what? When Jesus Christ took on our penalty, our, he took on our sins. He went into the grave. They took him down from the cross. They put him in the grave. On the third day, he arose from the grave. Victorious over death, hell, and the grave. 
And because he was victorious, you and I can be victorious today. When you put your trust and your faith in him, the Bible says if we confess to him, if we confess, if we believe and we confess that you and I can be a part of that inheritance of salvation, you and I can be saved. You and I can, can, can become reconciled to God the Father once again. There's no bigger story in all of history, folks. There's no better story in all of history than the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it's, he loves you. He wants you in his family. And because of that, he sent his son to die in your place. All you have to do is believe and confess. Believe and confess. You can do that today. As a matter of fact, we have two folks that have believed and confessed that are now going to follow Jesus Christ in baptism today. You can do that today. He loves you that much. That's the gospel. There's nothing else I want you to remember me by than someone that shared the gospel of Jesus Christ with you. Because at the end of the day, that story is the only story that has the power to transform any of us. I love you guys with all my heart. My wife loves you. My kids love you. And I know that you love me. Would you stand and let's pray together. Father, God, we love you so much. I am so thankful, God, for this church. So thankful for these amazing people that have given of themselves to me and my family so, so much of themselves. Most of all, God, today I am so thankful for you. God, the way that you plan, the way that you maneuver, the way that you move among us, the way that you reveal sin to us, the way that you uh, give us your grace and your mercy, the way that you, you love us unconditionally in spite of us, God. I'm thankful today that you love me. Because I know, God, I don't deserve it. I know that I fail you so often, God. But you love me in spite of me. Thank you, God. Father, I pray over this congregation, this group of people, whether today's their first day or they've been here from day one. God, I pray over them and I pray, God, that you would reveal yourself to them fresh and new. That, God, you would do amazing and remarkable things in their lives. Most of all, that you would allow them to be your hands and feet in this community. And God, reach out to the 90% and bring people in. I pray that in five years, in two years from now, that there will be a dent in the 90%. I pray that hundreds and thousands of people come in to the church, not just this church, but churches all across this region. And so that statistic continues to decrease because people are being your hands and feet. They're loving differently, God. They're growing and, and they're, they're living real and they're, they're living out their faith in this community, God. I pray, God, that you bring them out of bondage, Father. Speak life into us, God, all of us. God, I love you so much and thank you for your precious son, Jesus Christ. As everyone keeps their heads bowed and closes their eyes, if there's anyone in this room right now that is far from God and you feel like today you need to make a decision
for him. Today is the day that you need to give your life to him because you hadn't thought about it before. Maybe you had never thought about the fact that he loves you so much that he gave his life for you. And today is that day. Today is the day that you want to step out and give your life to him. Maybe you don't even know what that means, but you just feel it in your heart right now that today is that day that you need to confess because you already believe. I'm going to ask you right now, even while everyone's heads bowed, I'm going to ask you to come forward. Just step out and walk forward. I will kneel down at this altar and pray with you right now. Step out, come forward. Let's pray together. Now is your time. Now is your moment. Now is the time. God, I thank you so much for your love and your grace. Have your way with us, Lord. In Jesus Christ's name, everyone says, amen. The altar is open for you to pray. Do whatever you need to do. But let's worship God together in this moment.